Good morning, everybody. So good to see you. Today is a special Sunday. Every Sunday is special, but today we've got a, a couple of families that are going to be affirmed into membership. And if you are new with us or old with us, and um, I, I just want you to know that keep an eye out our next membership informational luncheon. And that's a time where we just come together, learn about the mission and vision and what God's doing here in the ministry. Uh, that's coming up. It's good. The next one's being put on the calendar. So keep your, your um, eyes open. But better yet, go to our event page on our website and it'll be posted there. That's coming soon. So with that, I'd like to call up right now uh, to a family that are going to be affirmed in. Johnny, come on up. And Daniel and Penny, come on up. Let's give them a hand. <laughs> see you. We're not going to make you do anything like singing a song or anything like that um, or a dance. Yeah. Come on in, Johnny. So uh, we do membership affirmation, and what that is is we pray them into the fellowship. I believe if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're already a member of the church, right? But we do have membership here, and our goal and hope is that everyone who uh, lands at Eagle Ridge Church and wants to be involved, they do so, they become members, and then they get involved in an area of ministry that God's calling them to. And so we do two things. They have made, you have made a commitment to be members, and I want you, if you would, to make a commitment to get to know the folks up here and pray for them. And so that commitment starts right now. Would you stand to your feet, please? If you're out in the courtyard, you can stand to your feet. If you're watching online, you don't need to stand up. But you can join us in prayer right now, and we're going to pray a special blessing. Isn't that cool? We're going to pray a blessing over the family, each family that's represented here. So Daniel and Penny, let me have your hand here. And Father, I just thank you for Daniel and Penny Fontes. And Lord, we pray that you would move in their lives, continue to move in their lives. Bless them. Bless their extended family, Lord. Uh, we now affirm Daniel and Penny into the membership of Eagle Ridge Church, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Father, we thank you for Johnny, D'Alessandro. Lord, we thank you. Uh, she's already involved in ministry. That is amazing. We love her and her heart for you. And Lord, you know Johnny's needs. We pray that you meet those needs, and we know you will. Lord, we pray that you would bless Johnny her extended family, minister to her heart, continue to help her to grow in the things of you. We now affirm Johnny D'Alessandro to the membership of Eagle Ridge Church in Jesus' name. And everybody said, yeah. amen. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations. Yeah. So don't sit down. Go say hi to somebody. Take a minute. One minute. One minute. Go say hi to somebody.
Awesome. So this side was totally obedient. You guys are a little rebellious over here. So, all right. Good job. <laughs> it's so good to be together with family. We're family. Did you know that? What connects us is what Jesus did on the cross. We have that kindred spirit. Jesus went to the cross out of love on his own will. He desired to go to the cross as painful as it was. Jesus took on all of our sin on the cross. That's amazing. You and I don't have to walk around with guilt or shame. We can be set free through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So the last Sunday, Sunday of each month, we have the Lord's Supper. The Bible calls it the Lord's Supper. You know it as communion. And my desire is always that it, it never becomes just a religious act where we're not really sure what we're doing, but it is something very, very significant, very personal. The Apostle Paul reiterates what Jesus said at the Last Supper before he went to the cross. And, and he speaks the words of just the impact of the bread, what that means, and the juice and what that means. But then he goes on to say that don't do this lightly. Don't just haphazardly do what we're about to do, but take it very serious. In fact, Paul says to examine ourselves. And so we're going to do that right now. Paul made it clear that if you come to the Lord in an unworthy manner in what we're about to do, he said some pretty strong things. He said, that's why some of you are sick and some even die. So God doesn't mess around. I don't say that to scare you. I say that to launch into an opportunity of what I call coming clean before the Lord. Amen? So I'd like you to bow your heads right now. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. And there may be some things in your life that, that you've recognized that don't bring glory to God. There may be some things right now, right now, right now that the Holy Spirit's going to minister to you that aren't cool that you're part of, that you're doing, that, that gets in the way of the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity right now. And those who are at home, maybe they have a cracker and a, a glass of juice and however they'd like to do that. Lord, I pray for our entire audience, those in the courtyard, in the sanctuary online right now, God, that you would draw us to a place of just Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts, the areas that don't please you, God, things we've been battling with, things we've been struggling with. And God, we believe today, right now, even now, you lift those burdens, you lift that sin, you lift that struggle right now. And if you believe that, say, I receive it. So where we come before you, we come clean before you because we need you desperately. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. At this time, what I'd like you to do is we serve an open communion here, meaning we want you to have Jesus in your heart. And if he's in your heart, you can help yourself. Come on up right now. And you get your self-contained cup. The top layer has the bread, the wafer. The second layer, there's two layers, has the juice. Go ahead and get your cup.
go back to your seat and get it ready, and then we'll partake together. If you're at home, this is a great time for you to go grab a piece of bread, cracker, get your juice ready, or whatever it is you're going to use, and you'll, you have a moment here to, to get ready, even at home. Out in the courtyard, communion cups are right in front of you. This is a blessing. What a great honor. What a great responsibility and to participate in such a special time. Just the wafer. If you got that, go ahead and hold it up. That indicates that you're ready to go. Let me pray. Father, we're grateful that you sent your son over 2,000 years ago to give us life. Jesus went to the cross, gave his life for us. Lord, we're thrilled. It's amazing the depth of love you've demonstrated to us. We're so grateful that we can remember that moment in time where we gave our heart to you when we said, God, we give up and we give you our life to be our Lord and Savior. Jesus, we're grateful for the love you demonstrated to us. The life you've given us, the forgiveness of sins, that's just amazing it's difficult to comprehend the depth of the love, the unconditional love that you have for us. But we're grateful, God. We're grateful. Can you say, I'm grateful? In Jesus' name, let's partake. As you're opening up the container of juice, I say this. Almost every time, this little cup of juice represents a force that's more powerful than anything in the universe, the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not the blood of Jesus Christ. It represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Blood that Jesus uh, shed to establish a new covenant. Prior to Jesus doing that, we had to live according to the Ten Commandments, which we still should but we had to follow him to a T. Otherwise, we'd fail miserably, God, and we did. So Jesus set up a new covenant established by his blood, a covenant of grace. We live under grace. Can you say grace? grace. It's not based on our good or bad behavior. 
It's based on what Jesus did on the cross. So we have nothing to do with earning salvation. Jesus made our salvation possible. He paid the price so we wouldn't have to. Father, we thank you for the love you demonstrated. And Jesus, for shedding your blood for us, we receive that resurrection power. In Jesus' name, let's partake. Amen. You may set those cups and on, there's a spot on the chair in front of you that has that. This morning we're in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. We're, we've landed right in the middle. We're continuing our series through the Gospel of Matthew. We landed right in the middle of, of chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. Jesus had just, has just launched into his public ministry he was baptized by John the Baptist. He went into the desert, the wilderness, for 40 days with no food. He was tempted by the devil himself. Now he launches into a public ministry. It's his public ministry. And he had been preaching, we learned last week, the message of repentance in the kingdom of God. Now he's calling his disciples. He'd already been preaching, but now Jesus is calling his disciples. And he call, calls Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and we start our message and I just want to pray one more time father I thank you for the gospel of Matthew this particular uh, text this morning God I pray that it is beyond significant that it's life-changing for each one of us in Jesus name amen. amen starting with verse 18 it says one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee he saw two brothers Simon also called Peter and Andrew and throwing a throwing a net into the water, for they were fishermen. They fished for a living. Verse 19 says, Jesus called out to them, Come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once, and they followed him. Verse 21 says, A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee and repairing their nets. And he called them to come too, and they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Oh, I, I just love God's word. Oh, I love God's word. Did you catch that? I just love God's word. It's so, so liberating. And yet Matthew chronicles Jesus' ministry, the beginning of his ministry, and yet there's so much more behind that. We read through that. Jesus calls Peter, his brother Andrew, and then James and John, and they leave their father Zebedee. And, and I mean, they, they left everything and just started following Jesus. But there's so much more. There's more layers to it than just what we read here. I want you to think about it. These are individuals just like you and I. Peter, I, I, he's one of my favorite characters. He's strong. He's courageous. He fails. He sticks his foot in his mouth. I, I just love him. Peter, Petros in Greek, Cephas in Aramaic, the rock is what his name means. Peter's the rock. And, 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 and Peter and, and his brother Andrew, they're, they're fishermen. They're not, they don't go down to Diamond Valley Lake on Wednesdays for the half-off price. They're not hobby fishermen. They fish for a living. 
and, and they're hardworking individuals. And if you know anything about fishing, you catch fish early in the morning as the sun is rising or right as the sun's going down. And that's internationally. That's just how most fish feed. And so these guys, they, they worked hard day in and day out, preparing, mending their nets, preparing for the next day, strategizing, and, and working hard for the commodity of fish that they supplied to their community. They were hardworking individuals. They worked in the sun for many hours, sometimes not going home for many hours until they catch a, a, a net full of fish and many times not catching anything at all. They, they worked hard. They were hardworking individuals. You might be thinking, why did, Jesus, why did Jesus call fishermen? I mean, in this particular area, there were rabbis. They were, they were the PhDs of their time. They were astute in the scriptures. They would have been my first pick. But Jesus didn't choose those individuals. He chose initially fishermen. We know of four for sure that were fishermen part of the 12 disciples. Some scholars believe there were as many as, tw- as seven of the 12. Why did, why did Jesus call fishermen? Why did he call Peter? Jesus being omniscient, he knows it all. He knew it all. He knew Peter. When he came up on Peter as Peter and Andrew were casting their nets into the Sea of Galilee, he knew them from the beginning to the end. Let me explain. Jesus knew that this Peter that he was asking to follow him would be the same Peter that would deny him, deny him three times. After three years of training, intense training, three years of witnessing miracles, he looked at Peter as he said, come on, let's go, come on, let's go. He knew, Jesus knew because he's got that Peter would deny him three times. He knew Peter would jump out of the boat and walk on the water. He'd be the first one to do that. Peter had courage, but he also looked down and lost faith and sank. And Jesus reached up and pulled him up. He knew Peter would jump out of the boat when he saw Jesus and swim to the shore. Peter was a leader, but Peter also failed many times. Peter pulled out a sword in the Garden of Gethsemane and cut off the soldier's ear. He was a warrior. Jesus saw Peter and saw the failures in Peter, the shame that Peter would experience in the denial. Jesus knew that, and yet he still chose Peter. Peter who at Pentecost, after denying Christ, being filled with the Holy Spirit, preached the message of all messages, and over 3,000 people got saved. Jesus knew that. He knew the good. He knew the bad. He knew the 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 successes Peter would have, he knew the failures and the shame that Peter had and experienced. And yet Jesus still chose Peter, the rock, who succeeded greatly and failed miserably. Jesus knew that. Why did Jesus pick fishermen? Well, I believe these fishermen were men of faith. They cast their nets into a sea that was murky. They cast their nets for a commodity they couldn't see. They couldn't see the fish. I've been to the Sea of Galilee. You can't see the fish. And yet they cast their nets in faith. 
I have great respect for those who are self-employed, business owners, entrepreneurs. The faith of doing your work and hoping to get paid and hoping to create something and, and hoping people follow through and, and it all works together so at the end of the day you can provide for your family, you can provide for the community, you can pay your taxes, you can pay your bills. Peter and Andrew, as they're casting their nets, they're just like you and I. They had ho hopes. Is today the day that we're going to catch a ton of fish? And we're going to be able to pay off our debt. We're going to be able to put something on the table. We're maybe even catch so much fish that we can take tomorrow off. We've been working six days in a row. They're just like you and I. Yet Jesus, he called Peter. He called Andrew. They're great men of faith. Great men of faith. That's why Jesus called them. Even in the midst of experiencing failure and shame, Jesus called them. I wonder how many of you have, have struggled with mistakes and failures and things you don't dare even whisper to anybody. Only you know about that. God knows about it as well. But we think of Peter and how yet Jesus still used Peter. He said, come on, let's go. And God's telling you, come on. He's speaking to your heart. He's been talking to you. He's speaking to you right now. The Holy Spirit is. He's saying, come on, let's go. We're in a climate in the world that's chaotic, it's uncertain, it's crazy. Peter and Andrew, the brothers, they were in a time of bondage where under Roman rule, there were leaders that had, shouldn't have been leading, ruling. They were under the leadership of Rome, under their thumb, under that bondage. They weren't really living free. I mean, prices were up, taxes were up, gas was... Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got confused there. But we can relate to this text, can't we? They're regular, everyday, hardworking individuals that want what's best for their family. Nobody plans on, on failure. Nobody does, like, I want to fail. I want to lose. I don't think anybody, I've never met anybody like that. And certainly, Peter and Andrew, they weren't that way. They wanted what was best, not only from themselves, but more importantly for their family. And yet they're Jews. They're Jews. They understood, even as fishermen, because all young boys had to go to Hebrew school, they understood the Scriptures. They understood that the Jewish nation was waiting for the Messiah. They were well acquainted that a Messiah would come and save them. They were praying, crying out to God, waiting for that moment to, for the Messiah to come on the scene. Andrew, you think today's the day? What do you mean, Peter? A, a, a boatload of fish? Well, yeah, but do you think today's the day that the Messiah is going to come? Oh, we've been praying about that for eons, Peter. I don't know. I'm beginning to wonder if that's ever going to happen. But just like you and I. And then all of a sudden, 
Jesus walks up on them. They're working right in the midst of their work. They were casting a net out. And Jesus walks up on them and, and, and says, come on, guys, come on. Follow me. Let's go. Let's do this. And you might be thinking, wait a minute. They don't know Jesus from Adam. They dropped everything and followed him. Wasn't there any process of thinking through, hey, wait a minute, Jesus, let me pray about it. Hey, we need help in the children's department. Let me pray about it. We need help setting up chairs. Let me pray about it, Pastor. I'll get back to you. Wait a minute, Jesus. Let me pray about it. Let me see what God tells me to do. Hey, I just told you what to do. Come follow me. Jesus is God, right? You make the connection? Yet they dropped everything and they followed Jesus. And I can't help but think that they had heard of Jesus you see, after Jesus' baptism and when he went into the wilderness and he was tempted and he had victory over Satan, demonstrating that we have victory over the enemy, over spiritual warfare, Jesus starts his public ministry. We learned last week that he started to preach repentance and preach the kingdom of God. And we know that there was a great multitude of people that followed Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, thinking that he might be the Messiah. He had a great following. And then John disclosed who the Messiah is. It's Jesus. And so now Jesus has this great following. He's been preaching, but he has yet to call his disciples, his followers. And now we pick up in Matthew 4, 18 and following, he picks his disciples. And so certainly in this small knit community, the word had gotten out that the Messiah is here. They turn around Casting their nets, there's Jesus right there, right in the midst of their workday. They knew who he was. They knew who he was. Word had gotten out. They might have even witnessed some of his preaching. We don't know that. The text doesn't tell us that. But they dropped everything. Everything. And they followed Jesus. He said, come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. And I can't help but think that the Holy Spirit many times is saying, hey, come on, come on, let's go. Now's the time. Now's the time. Follow me. Watch what happens when you follow me. It'll all make sense, Jesus is saying to us today. When you follow me, you're going to see salvation come to your family. When you follow me, I'm going to heal your pains and your aches. I'm going to work in your life. Follow me. Come on, Jesus says, and follow me. Jesus calls us to follow him. He calls us to follow him. And he chose fishermen. They were busy individuals. They worked hard. And I've noticed that people that are busy, I've been told, no, 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 don't, 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 don't ask them, Pastor Steve. They're busy already. Busy people get things done, man. They do. If you're not busy and you're not doing anything, chances are you're not going to be busy or do anything. But busy people get things done. And, and, and the fishermen, they were busy working. They weren't afraid to work. They, they were also patient. My dad was a patient fisherman. My dad loved fishing. He was the guy that would sit at, on the dock or the, the edge of the jetty and, and, and fish for hours. It would drive me nuts. <laughs> it would. I mean, I'm the guy. I like fishing, but I, I don't like not catching fish right? It's like going, playing golf without any golf balls. I mean, listen, 
I'm the guy who puts the lure or the spinner or the power bait on. I'll cast it three times. I have a rule. If I don't catch anything on the third cast, I'm changing up bait. And if I, I'll try two or three things, and if it don't work, then I'm moving on down to the next spot, you know. That's just me. I don't know if you're like that. A lot of people, these fishermen had patience. They had patience. And they had skill. You know, when you go fishing and somebody's pulling up and they've got a catch, hey, where'd you go? Man, where are they biting? What did you use? What kind of bait are you using? These fishermen had skill. They communicated to each other. Word got out quick where the hot spots were. They worked together. And, and, you know, God calls us as his people, his children, to work together in gospel kingdom work, to work together. But most, most of all, I, I believe with all my heart, fishing demands faith. I'll go one step further. If you're a business person today, you got a ton of faith. I don't know if you recognize that. You got people counting on you, families counting on you. You've got faith. God can use that in a mighty way. If it, as I said, fishermen can't see the fish usually. I remember fishing in these glaciated lakes up in the high Sierras. The water was so clear you could see the fish. We still couldn't catch them. We were casting things right in front of them, and they were like, uh, uh, needs more mayo, needs more mustard. You know, uh, we were trying everything. I mean, we were literally trying everything, and I did my rule, three casts, nothing. I'm, I could see the fish. I was casting. He'd look at it and go like this, and I'd reel it in. You know, I put something else out, and he'd look at it, and, no, I'm sorry, and reel it in. We were there at the right time. There was fish. We could actually see the fish, and finally somebody caught one, got a hookup. He's fighting, reeling in. What's the question we all ask? What'd you use? What'd you use? What'd you use? How'd you catch that fish? We use red worms. So we, what do we do? We all put red worms on our hook. And, man, we have a whole stringer. You can go on my Facebook page and see it. Right? whole stringer of fish after trying everything we had. Worms were the last thing. Well, you're up in the high Sierras, about 10,000 feet. And, and, you know, you want to put lures and spinners on. You don't get your hands dirty, right? You get dirty with a wiggly worm. And, but, yeah, that was catching fish, and it was worth it got to have faith you've got to have skill you've got to have alertness as children of God we need to recognize and we benefit by letting people know what God has done in our life and the faith that we've exercised to see God get us through difficult times we're heading into some very difficult times people don't you know you might think we have leadership that doesn't have a clue and you may be right but I think they do have a clue and I think a lot of this stuff is orchestrated. We need to get ready. We need to get our hearts ready. We need to get spiritually connected with a God who loves us. And when Jesus called his disciples, he called Peter first and Andrew his brother, then James and John, and, they, and James and John left their father and the boat. He called them to freedom. Don't you know that when you follow Christ, when you make that decision, and maybe as a young person, you answered the call, you prayed to receive Christ, but you've walked away. Life got busy. You got distracted. I want you to know something. When you reconnect with God, when you give your heart to Jesus Christ, it's liberating. It's freedom. It's freedom. Jesus freed up 
Peter and Andrew, James and John. My second point this morning is everybody needs to hear the good news. There's something about good news. And, and there's something about freedom. And here in the United States, we value, I value my freedom. Don't mess with my freedom. Don't mess with the freedom that's been established in our Constitution. And you certainly don't mess with the freedom that God's given me in his word. I'm free in Christ. Jesus freed up Peter and Andrew, James and John. Oh, did they have little idea of just how free they'd become. Free in Christ. Knowing that no matter what happened to them, they'd spend eternity in heaven as a follower of Jesus Christ. Look what verse 23 says in Matthew 4. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the churches, the synagogues, same thing, and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Look what it says. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. And, and listen, Jesus brought about this freedom through his teaching, through his preaching, and through his healing. Some ministries focus on teaching, some on preaching. Some on healing. Jesus taught, he preached, and he healed all together. There, it's not one or the other. It's not pick one or pick two. It's I'm going to do the combo. We'll do all three. Preaching, teaching, healing. That's what Jesus did. And throughout the Gospel of Matthew, you have evidence. You have evidence, numerous scriptures pointing to the ministry of Jesus where people brought multitudes of, of sick uh, decrepit, demon-possessed, ailing, even the dead. Jesus healed. He taught, he preached, but he healed. And we see evidence of that throughout the Scriptures, and, and particularly the Gospel of Matthew. And, and Matthew is quite clear that, that Jesus healed all manner of sickness, all manner of disease. There was no case too difficult for Jesus. You see, Jesus, he didn't practice medicine. He wasn't an MD like your doctor. They practice medicine. They practice on you. Well, try this pill. And you come back to him a couple months later with all these side effects. Well, uh, yeah, I think I overprescribed. Try this one. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't practice medicine. He was medicine. Jesus is the healer. He's the healer. And it says in Matthew 24 and 25, my third point is good news spreads when good things happen. Don't you know that? Good news spreads when good things happen. A good movie spreads when it's a good movie, a good food, good restaurant. You let others know. In Jesus' case, it's what he did for people. News about him spread as far as Syria. And people soon, I'm in verse 24 of chapter 4, soon begin Bring to him, listen to this, soon begin all who were sick. They were bringing all who were sick, and whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or ep epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all, them all. He healed them all. Can you say that? He healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went, and people from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, and from all over Judea, and from the east of the Jordan River, News traveled fast, and those who had afflicted friends and family members, they brought them to Jesus, and Jesus, because he loves us, he healed them, and he healed them all. Matthew lists the list, people with all kinds of sickness and disease, demonic activity, those who were epileptic, those who were uh, paralyzed, 
He healed them all. He healed them all. Jesus, his ministry consisted of of preaching the word, miracles, and healing. Jesus' ministry. And, And why did he do all of this? Why did Jesus heal people? Because he loves us all. It's all about people. This ministry is about people. Eagle Ridge Church is about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and helping those who already know Jesus to grow in their faith. And we believe the whole entirety of the canon of Scripture, from Genesis, yes, all the way to the back where the maps are. We believe it all here. And we preach the full message of the gospel here. We all have needs. Mankind has needs. Right now, the answer to the world's problems is not a political leader or a political movement. Listen, the answer to our problems is Jesus. Jesus is the answer that we all need. And we all have uh, uh, needs. And I've broken it down, of course, into three major needs, right? To hear the gospel is number one. Number two is to be taught the gospel. And number three is to be healed personally. Those are the things that we need as human beings to, to... to hear the gospel. That's inception. That's the birth. You hear the gospel, you respond to the gospel. And, and the gospel isn't, hey, accept Jesus and everything's going to go great. No, the gospel is when Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you have forgiveness of sins. You don't have to walk around beaten down by your failures. There's forgiveness available, complete forgiveness. You don't have to walk in shame like Peter did when he denied Christ and then Jesus uplifted him and filled him with his spirit and became a mighty warrior for the Lord. You've got to hear the gospel, but you've got to respond to it. And that's where the teaching comes in. You can't remain a baby. You grow spiritually, the gospel. And then to be healed. Don't forget about healing. A lot of us are walking around. A lot of people are walking around wounded. And healing's right there. It's available to you. Jesus healed every disease and every sickness. And you might be saying, well, pastor, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and, and God didn't heal. And they passed. And I asked the question. They knew Jesus, did they? Yes, yes, yes. They have a new body. They're in heaven. They're completely healed. They don't want to come back. They're in the perfect place. They're where we want to be. And when you start capturing the essence of that truth in God's word, that we have a blessed hope, it makes total sense. You look at suffering and you look at loss completely different. You need to hear the gospel, be taught the gospel, and be healed. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for the word this morning. I thank you that we were able to participate together, fellowship together, take the bread, take the juice, study your word, celebrate the life you've given us. And we recognize that just as you've called your disciples and you say, come on, let's go, you've called us and it's time for us to come on and to get going with with your program, not our program, but your program, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you'd help each person here recognize 
the blessing it comes to finally surrender to you, Jesus. And Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know you personally, that they give their heart to you. If you're watching online, out in the courtyard, in the sanctuary this morning, give your heart to Jesus. Today's the day for salvation. Pray this prayer right now. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the grave. I now ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I rededicate my life to you today, Jesus. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to welcome you to the family of God. And if you did that, fill out the connection card on the back, my next steps. Let me know that you gave your heart to Christ or you rededicated your life to the Lord. If you're watching online or even here present, you can text the word pray. That indicates that you gave your heart or rededicated your life to the Lord. The, the number's on the screen. But I want to, we need to close the service right now, but I want to do one more thing. Jesus heals every disease, every sickness, every illness. It's clear in Scripture. He can do it how He wants to, when He wants to. I don't understand those things. I really don't. But some of you are here today and you have those burdens of illness, sickness. It might be physical. It, it could be uh, spiritual. It could be mental. Whatever that struggle is, I want you to know something. God knows exactly what it is. He knows your needs. And only He can do that work of bringing healing to you. If you have such struggle, I want you to come forward right now. If you're out in the courtyard, if you have that struggle, just stand to your feet wherever you are. If you're in the sanctuary, come and stand forward and we're going to pray. We're going to trust that God does what He says, is who He is, and will provide for the needs that we have. Come and stand at the altar. Just go ahead and move up as close as you can to the altar. Amen. If you have a struggle, a burden, a pain, and you need God to intervene, maybe it's something in your heart and you're just hurting right now. You're hurting right now. You've been hurt. You're a victim. And you don't understand. You don't understand why they did what they did, and it just hurts. And you're not sure you can get past it. God can touch your heart and heal your heart. I want you to come forward right now. It's not too late. Church, I want you to stand with me. Those of you who are standing in the courtyard, maybe you're at home watching, just stand up right now. In faith, stand. Just like Peter jumped out of the boat and walked on the water, that act of faith, stand up right now if you're watching online and you need prayer. And I'm going to ask those who are standing, do you believe Jesus can heal you? Yeah. I love that. I know Jesus can heal me. I just heard that. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, I stand in agreement with my brothers and sisters right now. God, that you are a God who is a creator, but you are as well a God who heals. And it's in the name of Jesus that we stand on your truth, that you have the ability to heal, to restore that which has been broken, repair that which has been broken and lost. And Lord, I pray that you touch each life here. You know exactly the needs. You know exactly the miracle that's needed. 
We look to you and we declare today that you are a God of healing, that you lift the burden right now. Just ask God, just tell God, lift the burden. Lift the burden, take the burden. I'm not carrying this heavy baggage anymore, God. I need you to lift it up. Your word says you can do that, that you will do that. And Lord, we declare that to be true right now. Lord, we thank you for your healing. See, so you say that in faith. You might not see the fish, but you know, you know the healing's there. You know the fish are there, so you cast your net. And that's your faith. Lord, we know the healing's there. And, well, we can't, might not be feeling it yet. We might not be seeing it yet, but God, we're going to exercise our faith because your word tells us to do that. And Lord, we thank you. And Lord, we have a praise report. This test has turned into a testimony. God, we're thankful in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Praise God. Amen. Well, listen, go ahead and go back to your seat, but remain standing. The praise team's going to conclude the service. And listen, I believe that you're going to have a testimony. And you're going to have an opportunity to share that testimony. Listen to me. And you're going to say something like this. I remember the last Sunday of March, March Sunday 27th, where we prayed and we asked God to touch and move in a miraculous way, uh, something that I had been praying for for years, and God moved in this way or that way or however, and God's going to give you a testimony, and we're going to want to hear about it. Amen? So keep that in mind. God bless you. Let's worship the Lord.